Welcome to the Stolen Reality Podcast. This is where you belong. What's going on, everybody? It is Wednesday, the 1st of March, which means it's time for another episode where I take a topic and kind of do a bit of a deep dive into it. I don't think it's going to be quite as long of a deep dive as it was last week, but we're going to get into some stuff today. I had planned on doing the Betty and Barney Hill abduction today, but the more I looked into it, the bigger that story got. So I'm going to give myself a little more time to do some deeper research into that one because I want to do it justice. But I do got a fun one in store for you today. And we'll get going here in just a second. But before we do, I just want to say if you are enjoying the show, please spread the word. Tell your friends about it. Obviously, the more people that listen to the show, the better for me, which means the better I can make the show, which means the more time I can spend on it, yada, yada, yada. If you want to get in contact with me for any reason, whether you want to be on the show or you have an idea for an episode or maybe you know somebody who'd be good for the show or you just want to tell me how you think the show's going, whether you think it's going good or there's some things I can improve on, please go to my website at stolenreality.com and go underneath the contact page and you can reach out to me directly from there. You can also just email me directly at luke at stolenreality.com. All right, let's get into today's subject. On a hot July day in 1954, a bearded Caucasian man entered the Tokyo International Airport. When he arrived at the check counter, he produced his passport, which showed stamps from airports all over the world. But when the Japanese officials looked closer, they found something strange. This passport was from a country that none of them had ever heard of. The country of Tored. Officers were called over and began to question the man. He claimed that he was in Japan on business and was very confused about the fact that they had no idea where he was coming from. He claimed that his home country of Tored was located between France and Spain and had existed for over a thousand years. When the officers asked him to point it out on a map, he pointed to the area that is occupied by the Principality of Andorra, and he was confused as to why his home country wasn't anywhere to be seen. He continued to argue with the officers, and thinking that he might be some kind of criminal, they decided to take him into custody. They had brought him to a nearby hotel and put him in a room with two guards outside of the door. They began to question him further about his travels, and he gave them his business card and asked him to contact the company that he was in Tokyo visiting. When the officials contacted the company, they had no records of the man, no appointment set, and had never heard of him before. They also tried contacting the hotel where he claimed to have had reservations, but they hadn't heard of him either. The authorities left him in the hotel overnight so that they could investigate further, and in the morning, when the two guards who were positioned outside of the door went in to check on him, he had completely vanished from his hotel room that was several stories up with no balcony. All of his things and all of his documentation were gone as well. This is the story of the man from Torred. Alright, so today I'm going to be going over the story of the man from Torred. And this has always been one of my favorite quote-unquote conspiracy stories. You know, I've been looking into really weird stuff my whole life, which is why I started this podcast in the first place. 
But this is something that I've heard about for years, and it's always really intrigued me. I love stories about time slips and dimensional slips and things like that. And uh, there's actually quite a few stories of things like this. Even in modern day, people claim that things like this happen quite a bit. But this, as far as I can tell, is one of the most well-known and prominent ones. And I've seen it referenced in different documentaries, and I've seen it in different posts online and different forums. People have been talking about this for a very, very long time. So I really wanted to do an episode on it. And... The deeper I dug and, and the more I looked into it, found some pretty interesting things that we'll get into. But first, a little more about the story itself. So the version that I just told you is kind of the base version of it, but depending on where you look, you'll get different variations. Like in one version of the story, while he's in the hotel room, he actually gets interrogated and tortured because this is, you know, not too long after World War II and they thought that he might be a spy. In another version of the story, sometimes they try to contact the company that he worked for or verify his his origins in different ways, but it's generally the same story, that a man showed up at the airport, had a passport from the country of Torrid, country didn't exist, he was dumbfounded why they didn't understand what he was talking about, and then after they lock him up in a hotel room overnight, he disappears. In all of these stories, his main language is French, but he also speaks Japanese, which is how he's able to communicate with them so well, and he speaks a myriad of other languages. Usually he speaks like 11 different languages. So like I said, this story has popped up on internet forums and in documentaries and things for years and years and years. While I was looking into it, the earliest mention that I could find, aside from some actual evidence that we're going to get into in a little bit, was in 1964 and some books by Jacques Berger. I couldn't find much about those books, so I don't know exactly how it was referenced in those stories, other than a short summary of them, where it claims that in these books, the story goes that the person from Torad shows up, and it is a country in eastern Africa which stretched from Mauritania to Sudan and included a large part of Algeria. He was arrested in 54 in Japan during his passport check, and he was shut up in a psychiatric hospital this time, where he claimed that he was there to buy arms from the Arab Legion. It's thought that in this story, the country that he's talking about is referencing the United Arab Republic, which included modern Syria and Egypt. A much more common early account of this story comes from a 1981 book called The Directory of Possibilities by Colin Wilson and John Grant. And from what I can understand, this is kind of one of those old Mysteries of the Unexplained books. I had a couple of these from the late 80s and early 90s where they had everything from Bigfoot sightings to alien UFO sightings to, you know, the fish falling out of the sky incidents. It was kind of the precursor to internet forums where people would talk about crazy things, but of course then they didn't have that, so they put them in these little anthology books about all these different cases. I used to love these things. In fact, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that is probably why I became the person that I am today. I probably got it from a garage sale and, and dove straight into it. But anyway, that is one of the most well-known early depictions of the story. And apparently about all it says about the story in that book is a man with a passport issued from Torah arrived in Japan. So not a whole lot to it. But according to something else that I found, in 1998 there was another book called Strange But True, Mysterious and Bizarre People by Thomas Slemon. And he has the same story, but with a bit more added to it. So he kind of expounded upon it at that point. From there we get into the internet days. So it started making its way around internet forums and websites, mostly in Japanese quote-unquote conspiracy theory sites. You know, they say conspiracy sites. I say truth bombs. But, uh... It kind of started growing, and of course, as things do that, you know, may or may not have been embellished a bit as it goes on, and we'll kind of get into that in a minute here. But it became popularized, and like I said, it made its way into documentaries and internet stories and TikTok videos, and just everything as the years went on. And there's even been 
a few books written about it and then turned into a fictionalized story, including one called The Man from Torad, a breakneck mystery thriller, the world's scariest legends, by Jeremy Bates. And when you go on to Amazon.com, it actually has some pretty good reviews on it. He took it and obviously fictionalized it a bit and turned it into a thriller novel. But an interesting thing about that book is when you go onto the Amazon website to buy the book and you look under the reviews, there's a review in there that says, I don't know what's the deal. I come from Ralanoa and it's close to Torred. My good friend Karina lives in Torred. And may I ask what Spain and France is? Those are Astalia and Verticilia. And may I add that this so-called theory is weird because they claim Torred is not a real country? <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to put too much stock into that review. I think somebody's just messing around and adding to the story, but... You never know. We'll see as we go on how, how real we think this thing is. So that's kind of the history of this and the backstory of it. You know, this is one of the, the stories that I heard when I was pretty young, you know, and that, like I said, I've been, I've been looking into weird stuff my whole life, but something that I've always kind of put a lot of stock in because for years, nobody had any information about it. It went around and there'd be little tiny kind of pieces of evidence that might add up to it a little bit. Um, but nobody ever really debunked it and nobody ever knew the whole story. And like I said, it got referenced in a million different things, especially when people are talking about parallel dimensions or time slip stories, which are, are pretty prevalent. On some point, I'll do an episode just about, you know, the multitude of stories that are involved in things like that. But there's a lot of them out there. You know, my favorite ones are like when people are driving, say, from New York down to Florida and it's supposed to be a whatever it is 10 or 13 hour drive or whatever and they're an hour into their drive they go through a tunnel all of a sudden they come out the other side of the tunnel and they're in florida so you kind of have these missing time gaps and that can play into a lot of different things from abductions to to time slips in fact there's a really uh famous one of a military pilot who was flying up up over the bermuda triangle and he went into a storm where he said i think that the uh clouds looked like they started spiraling but he couldn't turn back so he went through it and all of a sudden he was four hours ahead of where he should have been you know there's no way that his plane could have went that far so there's a lot of stories about time slips and dimensional slips and some of them from some pretty credible people which is why when you hear a story like this and it's been around for so long it's it's really easy to kind of get sucked into it and there's even quite a few stories of people claiming this exact same thing that they come from countries that don't exist like in 1851 at Frankfurt an der Oder in northeast Germany, a man showed up and said that he was from a country called Laxaria on the continent of Sakraya. And in 1905 in Paris, a man was caught stealing a loaf of bread and he spoke a weird language that nobody could understand. And he said he was from Lisbia. And authorities thought that he was talking about Lisbon, which is in Portugal, but he wasn't speaking Portuguese. And when they showed him a map of Portugal, he didn't recognize it at all. So this is kind of a, you know, this isn't the only time that something like this has happened. This is just one of the most well-known stories. So now we got to get into what we think is going on here. So obviously our first route is that these people are crazy, right? These people are lying. They're just making shit up. This guy who was supposedly from Lisbia got caught stealing bread. So we started just rambling gibberish. And then just kind of stuck with his lie. And then over time, you know, people hear the story. It gets passed around and it grows and grows and grows. So that's obviously a, a very real option here. But as we get into a little bit of the evidence part here, we're going to we're gonna see that it might be a little more than that. The other option is that these things just never happen at all, right? People make up stories all the time. They made up a story. It got passed on. It grew over time like a big game of telephone. And then with the way the internet works, especially back in the early days of the internet, things start getting spread around and they grow, you know, they get taken to be credible. Um, people weren't as cautious for false information back then getting spread around. So that is obviously also a possibility. 
On a kind of a side note with that false information thing, on a lot of these articles that I that I found about this um, about this case, at the bottom of them, they all say something to the effect of it's very important to be cautious what you read online and that false information can easily be spread and it can be very destructive. And they have all these kind of like little disclaimer warning things at the bottom of them. And that's just a very recent thing that started popping up. I've been playing around a lot with the ChatGPT AI chatbot, you know, that I've talked about a little bit in my uh, other episodes. And the biggest thing that I like to do with it is argue with it because, you know, you're arguing with the whole internet. So I'll sit there and have like an hour long argue with, argument with it. I'll ask it, is Bigfoot real? You know, it'll give me all this feedback that it finds from all over the internet. And then I'll, I'll go on from there and go on and try to convince it of something like that. Or I'll ask it about aliens or, you know, structures on the moon or whatever. But almost any time that I ask it about something like that, that would be quote unquote a conspiracy theory, it makes sure to put a disclaimer in there at the end of the paragraph that it's very important to recognize false information and check your facts and and that false information getting spread can be very dangerous and all these different things. And I, I really wonder if that's something that it's picking up as it's as it's scanning across the internet and, and grabbing it from there. Or it's something that the programmers put into it. You know, we've had this big misinformation, essentially, war going on for the last couple of years, probably, you know, much longer than that, but it's been kind of in the spotlight for the last couple of years. And on one hand, it's really good that they're doing that and putting that in there because people should be cautious about what you're reading. You should look into it as deep as you can before you start, you know, believing in it and spouting into it. It's like my Mindset Monday episode I did last week where I was saying, you know, how much time are you actually going to spend looking into something before you believe it? But on the other hand, it kind of, almost, you know, because it's so prevalent, but only towards specific things, it's almost like there's kind of an agenda to it. So when you see that kind of pop up, it almost, it almost puts up a red flag to you, you know, it's like the fact check sites where, you know, anytime you mention something towards COVID or towards vaccinations or towards anything, no matter what you say, it automatically triggers that thing on the bottom. You know, just for saying that word, there's a chance I'm going to get a, a COVID information warning. That's going to go up when I post this uh, episode. I've seen that happen with other podcasts. So, I don't know. That was just a side note. I've just seen that popping up quite a bit lately, and I kind of find it interesting. But I saw that on a, a couple of these pages when I was reading through these stories of the of the man from Torred. So, anyway, back to, back to the issue at hand here. Our next option for what this could be is that it's real, is that it's a parallel dimension time slip. And, of course, this is my favorite option because it's the most fun. And it opens up a wide world of possibilities that there's there's parallel dimensions all around us. You know, we can only see wavelengths between about 380 and 700 nanometers. And that's the, you know, that's the visible light spectrum. But wavelengths go to infinity in both directions, up and down, you know. So we, we can see and register a very small part of what's around us. And we already know that, you know, that's why we have things like... Uh, infrared and x-ray and things like that that can get outside of our visible light spectrums but between everything we can see and everything we can hear and everything we can touch and feel and everything that our brain can register it's a very 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 small part of reality you know and that's the kind of thing that they jump into with quantum physics and things like that where they start to kind of uh, explore the possibilities around what might be around us that's not necessarily getting registered by us and even what we do register i talked about this in my brain episode um, we're taking in something like 11 million bits of data every minute, and I think we're processing something like 70 bits of data, or every second, I mean. Even what we're seeing, we're processing almost nothing. So the idea with these parallel dimensions is that they could literally be right on top of us, but at a different wavelength, and so we're not able to register them at all, and we'd be able to essentially kind of pass right through them, right? And that can lead into maybe what ghosts are, and... and uh, 
a whole bunch of different things. Doppelgangers. We can we could really open up the road going in that direction, which is why I really like that theory itself. But there's also other ways around that 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 might uh, potentially work out. You know, like there might be parallel worlds, but not necessarily on top of us. They could be located somewhere else, but we're connected through quantum entanglement. And maybe when somebody gets into the right place at the right time, there's the right electromagnetic frequency. Um, you know, something happens, there's a slip, and they pop up in a different reality. I remember reading a story of a woman on an internet forum, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But she was with a man for, like, two years, and then she broke up with him. Well, like, a year later, you know, she's working at her office job, her life's back together and everything. She goes to bed, she wakes up in the morning, and this guy's next to her again. And she's like, what the hell, what are you doing in my house? And he's like, you know, what are you talking about, we're married. And... She's freaking out, of course. Well, she goes to work, and her work's never heard of her. And she starts freaking out even more, and she's calling her friends and her parents and everything, and they all don't know what the hell she's talking about. They're like, yeah, you and Jim, or whatever the hell his name was, are married, and you work at this other store, and, you know, they were all confused about it. And she claims that it had been, like, two years at this point that she was writing on this forum, and that she just woke up in this different reality, and she doesn't understand why and that's just been her life and she doesn't know if she's going to wake up back in the other reality someday or what um again take that with a grain of salt but it's a really interesting idea that you might kind of have infinite use out there and you might be able to switch places with them but everything's going to be just a little bit off because every time we make a new choice which we're making choices every fraction of every second it splits off into a different reality there's a documentary on netflix called infinity and it's really interesting. It's about the idea of infinity and the fact that we can't really understand what infinite is because our minds just don't work that way. And um, it, it goes into a lot of different things. I, I definitely recommend it. But one of the things that it said that I thought was really interesting said if you took an apple and you put it into a completely hermetically sealed box, you know, nothing can get in or out, and you let it sit in there for infinite time you could open up that box at any point in time and it could be absolutely anything because over time it's going to break down and then it's going to break down further and further and further and eventually it's going to turn into just the base particles that build everything and then over time those particles are going to come back together and they're going to be something else so you might open it up in four billion years and it could be a shoe or it could be a horse or it could be you know whatever Probably not a horse. I don't know if an apple is big enough to have the molecular structure to turn into a horse. But you know what I mean. It um, Over time, anything can be built essentially out of the same stuff because we're all built from the same subatomic particles. So the idea is that they're mentioning in that is if the universe is infinite, because we don't know if there's a finite universe or an infinite universe. There's no way for us to tell that at the moment. Maybe someday we'll be able to figure it out. But even then, we'd have to understand infinity fully. You know, How do you measure something that never ends? But if the universe is fully infinite, then there is every possibility happening at every stage somewhere in the universe, which means there's an infinite number of other Earths, there's an infinite number of other U's, other Einsteins, other Hitlers, other everything. But there's going to be variations in those because the only thing that gets changed no matter what is free will and choice making right and with infinite possibilities there would be somebody who's almost exactly like you but they're wearing a shirt that's different from you today there's also going to be somebody who's exactly like you but they have lobster claws and they decided to get tattoos on their eyes you know so it's it's a really interesting possibility um, and scientifically you know we don't know if that's a reality because if the universe is infinite it is scientifically uh, not only probable but it kind of has to be the reality of it um, anyway watch that documentary it's really interesting but if something like that is the case you know we're now starting to understand quantum entanglement a lot more 
how closely related would we be to those other Earths and those other us? Would they essentially be us? Would they be something completely separate since they're just another batch of molecular structure out there? Um, you know, and if we are connected to them, what are the chances that our consciousness can kind of switch place? Or maybe our whole physical body can switch place with them. And then there's the idea of things like Stargates, where, you know, if there is somebody out from another area out there, there might be actual physical portals in places like the Earth that are connected to each other. So like I was talking about earlier with those stories that you can find, like that pilot who is flying up, up over the Bermuda Triangle, and all of a sudden he's four hours ahead of where he should have been. You know, there's either a time slip or there's some sort of vortex that connects two points in space-time. One of our best theories for deep space travel would be folding space-time. You know, the most common way I've seen that represented is you take a piece of paper, you fold it in half, and then you punch a pencil through it. I think that was in some movie at some point, but it, get, it gets shown a lot. Where instead of having to go from one side of the paper to the other side in a straight line, you fold it together and you just jump right through it. And that's kind of a possibility as well, is if you have these other worlds out there that are very similar to ours, but maybe have a different country, there might be these areas or magnetic anomalies or something that open these little uh, quote-unquote portals to each other, and that for whatever reason, people kind of slip through them and pop out the other side. So things would be similar, but you would also find uh, a lot of variations in there, like not knowing where your home country is. So that's the idea of the, the parallel dimension slip. And then you have the idea of a time slip, that it came from a different time. Um, I don't think that one holds a lot of water with this one, just because if he came from, he couldn't come from the past, because we know that the country of Torrid has never existed, so it wouldn't be something from long ago. But he could come from the future, potentially, and have slipped back in time. But in that case, you would think that if you slipped back in time, and then all of a sudden you were on a modern-day airplane, I would hope that thousands of years in the future because he said his country was around for a thousand years which means it would have to be quite a bit in the future i would hope that we have better technology than what we're using now so i think he would have made a much bigger fuss other than just not having his country on the map so i don't think that one holds a lot of water but we'll throw it in here anyway and now we're going to get into the disappointing part of this episode <laughs> the things that i found <laughs> So everything leading up to this point, like I said, is is things that have been going around for a very long time um, and the ideas that have been going around it and things that I've really been interested in for a really long time. But looking into this now and researching for this episode, it looks like just within the last about two years it may have been solved. So this isn't going to be nearly as exciting as everything that I just talked about. But, you know, my whole point of this show that I've created is stolen reality and getting to the bottom of the truth of everything. So so to be true to that, you know, if I find things that I don't necessarily want to find or want to hear and it's going to destroy my hopes and crush my dreams as a child that I've had since I was little, uh, you know, I got to be true to it and, and uh, show what I find, do honest reporting. So this is what has come up in the last two years. There's a Reddit post from a user named Tariochi, um, and if you don't know what Reddit is, Reddit's just a website where people can go in, and it's just an open forum. They can ask questions about things, they can talk to each other about whatever, and there's different uh, forums for different things. So you can start a whole forum on conspiracies, or you can start a forum on talking about tech, or stocks, or whatever. Reddit's, Reddit's a huge website. In fact, I think it takes up a very large amount of surface web all on its own. But there was a post about two years ago from this man, Tariochi, and it's titled, I am Japanese. I researched an old newspaper about man from Torred. 
He says, hi, I found the newspaper article that is requested on this page. I was, I was not allowed, but I wrote an article of Man from Torred based on this page. I want you to understand Zergus's newspaper article, but I can't speak English. I don't have any friends who understand English. For now, paste the article as it is. Thank you. So what he's referring to is a series of different articles, and I'm going to kind of go through them in sequence here and kind of kind of show you how it all breaks down. But the first one comes from the British House of Commons, and this was from July 29th, 1960, so, you know, like six years after this supposedly happened. It was on the subject of frontier formalities, which is essentially them talking about uh, people being able to go from one country to another country and all the administrative process around that. But it includes the mention of a man named John Allen Zergis, and it says... My honored friend may know the case of John Allen Zergis, who is at present being prosecuted in Tokyo. In evidence, he describes himself as an intelligence agent for Colonel Nasser and a nationalized Ethiopian. This man, according to the evidence, has traveled all over the world with a very impressive-looking passport indeed. It is written in a language unknown, and it has remained unidentified, although it has been studied for a long time by philologists. The passport is stated to have been issued in Taman Reset, the capital of the independent sovereign state of Torid. Neither the country nor the language can be identified, although a great deal of time has been spent in the attempt. When the accused was cross-examined, he said that it was a state of two million population somewhere south of the Sahara. This man has been around the world on this passport without hindrance, a passport which as far as we know is written in the invented language of an invented country. I would stress, therefore, that passports are not very good security checks. <laughs> so, you know, nowadays... We are used to going to an airport where they literally scan your bones and, you know, pretty much anal probe you every time you go through. So it's kind of hard for us in modern day, especially if you're younger, to think about uh, security being lax. But back in the day, it was not like it is now. You know, it's pretty much like getting on a bus. But from this British Parliament article, it looks like this man, John Zergis, had been using a fake passport and bouncing around and claiming that it was from the country of Torrid. And they were using this as an example of how they need better security checks and, and that passports weren't exactly doing the job that they wanted them to do. So doing a little more digging into this case of this man in Tokyo, this again comes from that same man who wrote that article on Reddit. He posted some of the actual Japanese articles about the case. So I'm not going to read through all of these articles, but the first one is from a Japanese newspaper and it is from August 10th, 1960, and it says, A mystery man who tried to smuggle himself into the country. Attempt suicide immediately after sentencing. Fictitious nationality, fluent in 14 languages. And essentially what this goes on to say is that defendant John K. Allen Zeigler, who was 36 at the time, which is interesting because it says that he's 33 in different articles, was sentenced to a hearing at the District Court of Tokyo, and he was convicted of essentially cashing uh, bad checks. You know, he went into Japan, supposedly, and he stole about 200,000 yen and $140 in traveling checks from the Tokyo branch of the Manhattan Bank of Chessmen and another 100,000 yen from the Tokyo branch of the Bank of Korea. But in this article, and we've got to keep in mind that this actual article right here is translated from Japanese, so there's going to be things lost in translation. But in this article, it says a couple things that are interesting. For one thing, it says that he had a forged passport used to enter the country, and it was handmade with the name of the country, Nagusi Habasi Galalololo Esprit. <laughs> so it's not the same as the Torrid one, necessarily, even though in that other article, they, they use the word Torrid. 
it said that the defendant spoke 14 different countries, which spoke 14 different languages, I'm assuming what that translation was supposed to be. And in response to the investigation, he stated that he had come to Japan on orders from an Arab-related agency and was working for the U.S. intelligence agency. But there was no such fact, and the district prosecutor, troubled by the fact that the nationality of the defendant was unknown, prosecuted the case. After he was prosecuted, he pulled out two big pieces of glass, and he screamed that he was going to kill himself, and then he cut his wrists right there in the courtroom. It also says that the passport of the nationality was the size of a weekly magazine and was recognized at a glance as a fake. However, the Japanese embassy in Taipei issued a visa on October 17th of last year, and this is the first time that the defendant was able to enter the country with this kind of a passport. So that's kind of funny. They're like, it was the size of an entire magazine. There's no way this thing was real. Oh, but by the way, yeah, our embassy over in Taipei went ahead and, <laughs> and uh, stamped it for him. In addition to this, the defendant's wife, who was 30, was also with him, um, and she was a Korean woman, and then after this, they uh, extradited her back to Korea. So according to this article here from a Japanese newspaper, um, you know, you have this mystery man who came in and essentially did the exact same thing that happened in the case of the man from Torrid, but you have little dissimilarities. So they have a name of the man here, this John Allen K. Zeigler, but it never once in this article says Torrid. It just says Nagusi Habasi Galalalur Esperit. You think I'm not pronouncing that right, but you gotta see how it's spelled. It's like G-H-O-U-L-O-U-L-O-U-L-O-U-L. So anyway, after that we have another Japanese article from 1961. So this is like a year later. And it says, Phantom foreigners are again a challenge. You may remember the name of John Allen K. Zyglis, 33. Again, this time it says it's 33, when a year ago it said it's 35, but we're going to let that slide. An unidentified foreigner who claimed to be from a nationality of Nagusi Hibasi. Again, we're not using the uh, torrid here. A nationality you've never heard of and attempted to aside in the courtroom of the Tokyo Court District, embarrassing the authorities to no end. Then it talks a little bit more, but then it says that he has entered the country illegally from Taipei in 1959 using a homemade passport. And that's 1959 there, by the way, when it says in other articles 1954, so we have another discrepancy. And was unable to pay for his stay in Taipei, so he perpetuated a forged check fraud. But his background and nationality are still unclear, even in the investigation by authorities in Yaki. He still insists that his home country is real. So a year later, after this guy's been in custody and locked up and tried to kill himself, he is still insisting that his home country is real. And then it goes on to talk about more, a little bit about the case and about uh, how this is going to set a precedent for their country and things like that. But then at the very end of that newspaper article, it says, it will be a new precedent for the high court to decide, of course. But even so, Zeigler is a man who has often eaten people. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that that's something that got lost in translation because nowhere else in any of this have we ever heard of him being a cannibal. But uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Again, translating from Japanese to English is, is a very tough thing to do. The Japanese language is very metaphorical and uses, uh, you know, it's not structured the same way. So I'm, I'm assuming that they didn't really mean that he was eating people. Okay, so that's kind of the, the Japanese articles that this Japanese gentleman on Reddit was able to find from the newspapers that were close to around the same time. But again, we're having those little bit of discrepancies there. We're having the, the different dates, the different ages popping up. And again, we could be having things lost in translation. But when it comes to like an age or a date, you know, those should be consistent, you would think. And again, he never once says uh, Torrid in those original newspaper articles. 
even though supposedly in the British House of Commons one, they say that the passport is stated to have been issued from Taman Rosset, a capital of independent sovereign state of Torrid. So I'm not sure why the British House of Commons, when referencing this Japanese case that was happening in Tokyo, came up with that word. And, and then there's different things like saying that he was a uh, nationalized Ethiopian and things like that that didn't necessarily come up in the Japanese article itself. So then I wanted to dive a little more into this John Zegaris himself. I think I said Zergus before. This article says Zegaris. Well, we're just going to call him John. So I wanted to jump more into John a little bit and uh, see what I could find. So I found a Wikipedia page dedicated to him. So Wikipedia can be hit or miss, but this one seems to have some pretty good references. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, use it here. So it says that John Allen Kutcher Zegaris, which, by the way, when I open this other tab and look back at that other Japanese document, it is Zeigler in that one. So different name again, little discrepancy. Is a reported name of a real man detained in 1916 Japan for alleged document fabrication. He is dubbed the Mystery Man. So according to this article, and you know, they, they quote all their references here, so if you want to come in and look at where they got this information from, you are more than welcome to. Most of it's in Japanese, and I don't speak Japanese, so I'm not going to tell you what those articles are. It says, in October of 1959, again, little different from the original 54 story, a man recorded as John Allen Ketcher Zegris, who's 36 this time, he's not 33 or 35, entered Japan with his Korean wife. Months later, he was arrested by the Marinochi police for suspected identity fraud. And then it tells a little bit about him cashing the fake checks and things like that, which all stays consistent with the Japanese article that I read you. But it says that the case was investigated by Atsuyuki Sasa, who was of the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department Public Security Bureau, and that he later wrote about Zergus in his memoirs. So now we have a whole other source coming from his memoirs. And that's where they're getting some of this information that I'm talking about right here from, I think. It says that his passport contained the stamps of Japanese embassies in different East Asian countries, but it was determined to be counterfeit. And again, it says that he had a visa issued by the Japanese embassy in Taipei. And then it has a bit of information supposedly about this man. So according to records, John said he was born in the U.S., moved to the U.K. through Czechoslovakia and Germany, and attended high school there. During World War II, he was a pilot of the Royal Air Force and was once captured by the Germans. After the war, he lived in Latin America. Later, he became a spy for the Americans in South Korea, served as a pilot in Thailand and Vietnam, and after that was assigned to the United Arab Republic. He arrived in Japan for a secret mission which included recruiting Japanese military volunteers for the United Arab Republic. Eventually, after contacting the mentioned countries, it was ruled that information was not based on any facts, and the seals in his Suedo passport were proven to be fabricated. So he got sentenced to a year in prison, tried to commit suicide, um, you know, by cutting his wrists with glass that he pulled out of his pocket, which again, times were different back then. I don't think you can get away with bringing glass into a courtroom in your pocket when you're uh, going to trial nowadays. But he served a year, and then after his release, John was deported from Japan to Hong Kong, where he was recorded to have entered the region. And then after that, that's kind of the end of him. That's where the trail goes cold. And then they have another section here that's called Urban Legends. And then we have some more information that doesn't quite add up. So we have on August 15th, 1960, issue of The Province, the story was reported with some alterations. The Province, by the way, is a daily newspaper published in a tabloid format in British Columbia. So this is coming from another side of the world. But it says that he claimed to be a naturalized Ethiopian, an intelligence agent for Colonel Nasser. And he carried a passport issued to Taman Reset, the capital of Torid, south of the Sahara. Then this article says that Torid is likely Toreg misspelled. 
and Tamanresa is an actual province in Algeria. The article also talks about a text written in the Torah language, which is written in Latin characters. So, what does all this bring us to? From what I can find and kind of plot out, and like I said, it's kind of tough with all this because uh, everything's, you know, there's a lot of things getting lost in translation, and there's a lot of different uh, discrepancies here and there. But if we kind of put a timeline to it, what I can find is that the British House of Commons article came out first. That was July 29th, 1960. And it was talking about this John Allen Zegras, who stated that he was from the land of Torrid. So it's the first time we hear the, the word Torrid. And then in August 10th of 1960, you have the Japanese article, who calls him John Allen Zeigler, and, and tells details of the court case. And they say that the verdict was handed down on April 10th. So April 10th, the court case happens. April or July 29th, it shows up in the British House of Commons. And then August 10th, we have a Japanese article about it. And then August 15th, we have the article show up in the province, which is down in British Columbia. And every time one of these things happens, little things get changed. Who he's working for, where he comes from, even the name of the country. And after that, it starts making it into books. And then, you know, later on, like I was saying, into popular culture and onto the internet. So, it sounds to me like, unfortunately, one of my favorite childhood stories... <laughs> has been debunked. But that's exactly what they'd want you to think, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, there is there is some discrepancies here and there, but I think it's just a big game of telephone. You know, these articles were coming out, bouncing around all over the world. And like I said, translating things out of Japanese is, is very tough to do in the first place. And especially back then, you know, now we can at least Google check things and, and look online, you know, but back in the 60s, if you didn't have an interpreter with you... Um, you know, you're, you're going to have things get mixed around. So I'm assuming that's what happened in this case. I'm still a very firm believer in time slips and parallel jumps. I will find a real case of that at some point. And when I do, I'll interview that person and I'll time slip with them. And then we'll, uh, we'll have an episode from both sides of the parallel dimensions. But as for now, looks like uh, the man from Torred is most likely debunked. If you have any information on this that I'm missing here... Or you have maybe some ideas, maybe you got some inside knowledge that, you know, all these articles didn't start surfacing until about two years ago. So the internet's claiming that these things came out in the 1960s, but things could be fabricated. Maybe this thing was getting too much heat, people were starting to believe it too much, people were starting to understand that there's parallel dimensions all around us. And uh, they went back and fabricated all these different articles to quote unquote debunk it. You never know. But if there's anything you want to say about this or you want to get a hold of me and, and give me your ideas, please reach out to me at StolenReality.com. I will put links to all these articles underneath the episode notes. And if you were a fan of the Man from Torred story, I am sorry to crush everybody's dreams. I was just as crushed when I was researching this because I was actually really excited to do this episode. Because like I said, this is something that I've been hearing for a really long time. But we got to stay true to real reporting. I can put my ideas out there, but I, I got to give you what I find. So, all right, guys. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. I will be back on Friday for a bit-isode, and then right back on Saturday for the what a week. There's been some crazy things happening in the news this week, so we'll go over some of those. All right, thanks for listening, everybody, and be sure to tell your friends. Spread the word. Help us grow. See you on Friday.